this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to share with you some things that I hope you really can leave with tools in your hands. I hope this year really can be a year of change and transformation uh, that the Lord intends for you. And uh, you can just really see that measurable growth and increase of joy and freedom in your lives and just really what it means to know Jesus and to walk with him. And so our scripture is 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to ask if you would read this scripture with me. It's from a translation called the New Century Version. I just like the way it puts this scripture. Paul writes, you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. So run to win. All those who compete in the games use self-control so they can win a crown. That crown is an earthly thing that lasts only a short time, but our crown will never be destroyed. So I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. I treat my body hard and make it my slave so that I myself will not be disqualified after I have preached to others. Well, we are two weeks into the new year, and I have a question for you, and that is, how are your resolutions going? How are your plans? How are your goals? But I have an even more important question for you, and it is this. How many of us here this morning actually have a strategy to grow spiritually? over these next 12 months. How many of us have actually thought about that? You see, spiritual apathy and lethargy and powerlessness and prayerlessness and all those kind of things, those are never our intention. And yet all of those things will creep into our lives if we are not intentional about growing the most important part of who we are. It's amazing how many days and even weeks or months can go by and people who follow Christ have never opened their Bible once, never read a scripture, never dealt with a, a, any sin in their life, or maybe haven't even memorized a scripture from the Word of God. Here's a question I want to pose to you that I really want you to give thought to this morning. When was the last time God did something in your life that caused you to live differently? When was the last time God did something in your life that actually caused you to think in a new way, to know him in a new way, to sense a release of his presence through your life in some new way? We used to sing the song years and years ago about Jesus, that he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what love between my Lord and I. When was the last time that Jesus actually grew sweeter? Or has he become more commonplace in our life? Now, our focus for, uh, for 2024 is fasting for a new year. It's not just recognizing that we're in a new year, but asking that the Lord would do new things in our lives. In fact, he said to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43, he said, I'm about to do something new. Look, I've already begun. Do you see it? Do you see it? You see, God is always working. He's always moving all around us. But the question is, is do you see what he is doing? Or are you too distracted by other things that get your eyes off of your primary goal? I think one of the reasons why we miss a lot of the new things the Lord wants to do for us is because we fill our lives with novel things. Now, if you look in the dictionary or the thesaurus, they're, they're, those words are synonymous. They're actually quite different. You see, when I think of new things that the Lord has for us, I'm thinking about things, again, that actually bring change, that bring growth. They are things that cause us to think or live differently. The new things the Lord has for us are things that we can actually build upon. But when I think of novel things, I'm thinking of things that are more like a, a spur of the moment. 
just something kind of spontaneous, something that, that I just kind of feel like doing for a moment to give me some pleasure in what is otherwise kind of a humdrum life, routine. That's why we call it a kind of spontaneous purchase, right? You go to a store and you, well, I just got to buy something. I don't need anything, but what do I need? I need a little pick-me-up. I'm feeling kind of depressed. I'm feeling discouraged, whatever it may be, so maybe I'll buy something. Now, I'll say in the first service, ladies tend to go out and they, they buy a new dress and they come home with some new clothes or whatever it may be. Men tend to bring home things like a new car, <laughs> you know, a new boat, you know, something that'll tie you up in debt for 20 years. So, so don't be too harsh on the ladies, men. We, we make up for it. But the point is, when you make those kind of spontaneous bursts of, of emotion, what are you doing? You're just trying to fill something immediate. It's novel. You want to introduce novelty to your life. That's not the same as something new that, that God wants to be foundational and he wants to build upon. Now, it's not that we can't pursue things in our life that give us a sense of accomplishment or a sense of joy, but the question is, do we have the same passion in pursuing the things of God? It's not that we can't pursue other things as the Lord releases us, but are we also giving the Lord equal time for those things that are most meaningful in life? Paul wrote to Timothy, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, as we all know, physical exercise has wonderful benefits. Uh, just taking care of yourself, going for a walk, eating healthy, whatever it may be, that is a good thing to do. But physical exercise in itself will fall short in that it's not the essence of who I am. I am a spiritual being. So it's not that I can't take care of physical things, but I need to recognize as a spiritual being that needs to be a priority. And Paul says that spiritual exercise has value in every area of my life. So I should be investing at least equal time or giving equal discipline to the development of my spirit as I do to anything else that I pursue in life. Because you see, it's when my spirit is in proper alignment, my part of me that communicates with God, that God gives me wisdom, insight, he leads me. What does he do? He brings balance to other areas of my life. He wants to keep the main thing the main thing so that I can actually walk in a wisdom and an understanding that brings every other area of life into the fullness or the fulfillment that the Lord intends to me. I don't have the scripture on the overhead, but, um, but Paul said in Ephesians 4.13 that our goal should be to experience the fullness of what it means to know Jesus. Just that simple. Experience all of what it means to really know Jesus. You know, sometimes we can get caught up in whether a thing is good or bad, or sometimes we get caught up in things that we probably know we shouldn't give our time to. It's not really worthy of who we are as the people of God. And sometimes we can try to justify it, or we can make excuse, or maybe somebody challenges us, and so we rationalize it. But really, I think a lot of the issues of life, we can filter through this one simple question, and that is this. What does it mean to you to follow Jesus? That's all. It's not about comparing ourselves to anybody else, but a lot of things that I may fill my life with, the Lord will say, okay, but listen, what does it mean to you to follow me? What does it mean to you to be my child? That can be a filter through which I can run a lot of things that I give myself to, right? Maybe some of us have had those seasons through the new year. Okay, that's it. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. Out comes the garbage bag. In the garbage bag goes all the good food that your family likes, right? Because you don't want to be tempted, 
And so they have to suffer for your ups and downs, right? Maybe you can relate. Okay, so it can become an obsession. But the other thing is, if we're extreme in the pursuit of our spiritual health, it also becomes unsustainable. And physical health, rather, it becomes unsustainable. It's not really something you can live with and others around you can live with. Well, spiritual growth, I feel, is the same in a lot of ways. In that spiritual growth does not require extreme change. What I mean by that is sometimes we can be very well-intentioned. You know, I just I felt spiritually dry for so long. I'm so tired of feeling this way. I know I've got to change. I know I've got to know the Lord better, whatever the goal may be. But we can kind of think to ourselves, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Starting on Monday, it's always Monday, right? And if it doesn't work Monday, don't worry. There's always next Monday. It's a whole week away, but there's always another Monday, right? And so we think, okay, starting Monday, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up at 4.30 every morning. I'm going to spend two hours in prayer. I'm never going to watch TV again, and I'm going to throw away my cell phone, right? That's radical. Now, listen, when the Holy Spirit is allowed to work in our lives, He will bring radical change. He'll bring glorious change. He'll transform us in many, many ways. But it is best to begin by simply giving the Lord equal time. Just let that be your goal. Lord, I'm going to start to give you more time. I'm going to make you a priority in my life. I'm going to carve that time up, and I'm going to allow you to help me to train my spirit. And as you do that, what you discover is that the Lord shows you the things that you need to do to grow into the fullness of what it means to actually know him. So you see, what our goal should actually be is sustained spiritual growth. It should just be simply to, to, to sense in our life that the Lord is, always has the opportunity to show me new things, to grow me in new ways, to stretch me in different ways. Like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3. He said, we are being transformed into the very image of Jesus. How? Three words. As we move. In other words, it's not by just osmosis, being around Christian things. It's not just by singing songs or even just being in God's presence in church on Sunday. It's not a stationary thing. We are being transformed to become more and more like Jesus as we are moving. Where? From one degree of glory to the what? The next degree of glory. Remember that word next. We're being moved from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. Now, what is glory? There are many definitions, but I've always believed that glory is simply this. It is the presence of God in my life that actually brings a sense of weight, a sense of strength and stability, of knowing who I am, knowing who the Lord is, and that glory increases in my life as I surrender different areas to him. The, the Holy Spirit is likened in the word of God to a river. And so as I surrender particular areas of my life, what does the Holy Spirit do? Like a river, he begins to flow into that area. And everywhere he flows, like the vision of Ezekiel, life begins to sprout. It's kind of like sap flowing into the branches, right? That's what causes the buds to begin to grow and then blossom. Or maybe areas that were once dead or, or uh, you know, that were atrophied, it begins to come alive again. And so what happens is, is as the Lord, as I surrender myself to the flow of the Holy Spirit in my life, 
And I might say, for example, Lord, this particular area is not working in my life. Or, or my wife and I, we just kind of can be stuck for a long time. It's kind of drying out, whatever it may be. I begin to give attention to those areas and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me and give me grace and show me how to act and respond and so on. What happens? He begins to flow into those areas. And what's he doing? He's moving me from one level of grace to the next level of grace. And then in time, to the next, to the next, to the next. And what happens as I walk with the Lord over the years, I begin to grow in the fullness of his presence, the fullness of his ways being seen through my life. You see, spiritual growth is not mystical, but it is measurable. Will you say that with me? Spiritual growth is not mystical, but it is measurable. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians think that anything God is going to do in my life, I have to feel it. It's got to be a feeling. The feeling will come after you surrender in obedience and the Spirit of God is released in that area, but he does not change you by feelings, but by faith. By faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the Word of God, I was thinking of this just the other day when I was driving in the car, and I might be wrong, I really haven't thought it through, so I'm just going to kind of throw it out there to you. But as I was thinking of the Scripture and I was driving along, and I think the Holy Spirit just dropped in my heart, my question was, you know, I've never really thought of, what does that Scripture say that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? Why doesn't it just say that faith comes by hearing the Word of God? Is it just some kind of, you know, grammatical thing or writing style? Okay, so Paul didn't say... Faith comes from hearing the word of God. He said faith comes from hearing and then hearing from the word of God. And what I thought the Lord saying to me was simply this. Before the word of God will ever enter into your heart and change your life, you got to decide whether or not you're going to hear. It's not a coincidence that on the Feast of Dedication, Jesus stood up and said to the crowd, listen, listen, for he who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so there's a basic disposition that must be in my heart, a basic leaning that I must choose to say, Lord, I'm going to always lean into you to hear what you are saying. And Paul is saying, faith comes by hearing the person who will hear, and then when your heart is open to hear, then the Word of God is able to come and take root and bring change. But if you don't hear, if you're not listening it's just noise, it's just another service, another scripture, another church thing. Nothing's going to change. You have to hear what the Lord is saying. Was that from the Holy Spirit? I just want affirmation because I don't want to preach false doctrine. You never know what you hear when you're driving in the car. Anyway, I'm just teasing, but that's just something I thought the Lord was just kind of lighting in my, in my own heart. And so if we're going to sustain spiritual health, spiritual life, we have to watch what we're taking in. And we have to exercise our faith. And how do we actually exercise our faith? Well, we need to be aware of what it is that God is doing in our lives at any given time. doesn't mean we can always articulate it, but there needs to be a sense of, hey, in this season that I'm in, this is something the Lord has been showing me. This is something he's working on in my life. Paul said, I do not run without what? Without a goal. I have a goal. And you see, the reason we need a goal is the goal gives us strategy. And the reason we need a strategy for spiritual growth is because strategy answers the question, what is next? You see, moving me from one degree of his presence in my life to the next degree, the next level, the next depth. 
Strategy is what helps me to understand what is next. Knowing what is next tells you what to do next to achieve your goal. And Paul says that's how you run to win. You see, this is so important in the body of Christ. One of the things I believe that really shuts us down oftentimes, it can be prayerlessness, apathy, sin, whatever the case may be, but a lot of times it's comparing ourselves to each other. And none of us are exempt. I hope I've kind of broken away from that, but there's still part of me that kind of compares myself to other pastors, other leaders. You know, sometimes you watch some guy on YouTube just dynamic ministry thinking, oh, what am I doing in ministry? I'm such a failure. You know, we can compare ourselves to other people. And the Lord wants us to understand, listen, we're all in the race, but we are not racing each other. We're racing against ourselves. What that means is that we hear from the Lord, we know what the Lord is calling us to, he wants to, he wants to speak to us, I'll get to that in just a moment, and what are we doing? We, like Paul says, I then discipline myself in order to run the race that God has set before me. Now you say, Paul, how do you know that? Well, the Apostle Paul who wrote this actually said the same thing when he neared his death. He said what? He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. What do you mean, Paul? You're going to die. No, no. I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. I've been true to the mission God has given to me. In fact, Jesus said at the end of his life, he, he, said, he prayed, he said, Father, I have finished the work that who gave me? That you gave me. That's it. And I love what the Lord said to Daniel in chapter 12 at the end of his life. He said, Daniel, at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for who? For you. I have an award for you. Don't worry about anybody else. Daniel, keep your eyes on me. Be faithful to me. Don't worry about anybody else. I know what I've invested in you. I know what I've called you to. I know what you're going through. I know how I shape you. All you need to be concerned with is if you are pleasing me. And, and that sounds kind of egotistical, but you know what? The Lord says, it's okay for you to want to please me because you know what? I delight in you. I love you. I delight in you. I have good things for you. And who wouldn't want to please a master with that kind of heart toward us? Now, there's a whole bunch of strategies that I, we could give this morning to talk about for spiritual growth. I'm going to give you two easy ones real quick that I believe produce measurable change in your life. The first one is simply this. We'll bring it on the screen. Will you read it with me? Read your Bible for the sheer enjoyment of it. Read your Bible just for the sheer enjoyment of reading the Word of God. Now, as I said in the first service, there are about 25 billion words in this book. So you could never read it in a lifetime. It is so full. There's so much here, right? No, on average, there's about 750,000 words in the Word of God. That's about 10 regular size novels. If you read your Bible at just a leisurely pace for one hour a day, do you know how long it will take you to read from cover to cover? Two months. Eight weeks. That's it. Now, I know a lot of us don't have the time or the practice every single day to read one hour. But let's say you average a half hour a day just reading the Bible leisurely for the enjoyment of it, you will read through your Bible entirely in only four months. 15 minutes a day, you will read through in eight. <laughs> I had some people in the first service say six, which was okay, but when you have like a half dozen people saying six, it's like, maybe they're right. Maybe it is six, but no, it's eight months. So just at a leisurely you know, pace, you read the Word of God 
you can actually get through the Word of God a couple times a year. Now, this might sound like a strange thing to say, but I hear my heart. Your goal when it comes to Bible reading should not be to read your Bible through in a year. That should not be your goal. In fact, probably a lot of us have followed uh, you know, yearly Bible reading plans. I have two problems with that. Not that it's a bad thing, don't get me wrong, but how it doesn't work for me. And that is, number one, I find a lot of times, like you're reading a chapter from the New, a chapter from the Old, maybe a Psalm or a Proverb, something like that, and, and a lot of times they're kind of disjointed. It's not really the same thought, so it's not a bad thing, but it's not quite you know, joined together. It doesn't quite have that flow sometimes. But the other thing is worse, in that you might miss a day, and now you're already behind. And so by the end of January, maybe you've missed a day or two or three, now you've got 27 chapters to catch up on. And you're already defeated, and you're only a month into the year, right? We've all been there. So again, reading your Bible through the Bible plan is a wonderful thing if that's best for you. But I don't believe that should be our goal. What is our goal when it comes to reading your Bible? Our goal in reading God's Word is to learn to enjoy your time with the Lord and His Word. That is your goal. In fact, what I have found, what I enjoy most, is just reading His Word in large portions. Because then you get a beautiful picture. Maybe read through the whole book of Ephesians. Find a book that has four chapters, five chapters, six chapters, and just read it during your sitting. Other times, other times you might stop at a certain verse that really you know, pierces your heart or encourages you. And you might just meditate on that and memorize that. That's beautiful too. But learn just to read the Word of God for the enjoyment of it. Sit with your Bible, your notebook, and your pen. Quiet your heart and just say, Holy Spirit, I'm here to meet with you. That ought to be our goal with God's word. Read this scripture with me, Hebrews chapter 4. The writer says, God's word is alive and working and is sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts all the way into us where the soul and the spirit are joined. And it judges the thoughts and feelings of our heart. You see, when you give Jesus a chance to get his word into you, he will divide the soul and the spirit. And you say, now, Pastor, why do you do that? Because your soul and your spirit were never intended to be joined. They are meant to be separate. We are spirit, we are soul, we are body. We are made up of three parts. Each one is meant to be separate, and your spirit is intended to rule over it all. You see, your soul is the part of you that relates to your physical being. It relates to your physical environment, your surroundings. Your spirit is the part of you, the only part of you, that actually relates to God and relates to the spirit realm. No other part of your being does that. Your soul doesn't. You see, your soul is the part of you that is made up of your mind, your natural thoughts, your logic, and your emotions. That's where your soul is. You don't want your life being ruled by your emotions, do you? No? How many of us made decisions based on emotion and we regretted it? Right? Oh, you know, this is what I feel, right? Or a lot of times you hear people talking when it comes to the voice of God. I just feel God saying to me, you know, poor, I was going to say poor God. I'm not sure how else to word it. But, you know, it must be, no, I didn't say that, you know. But we get led by feelings a lot of times rather than by our spirit. Our spirit is the only part of us that actually can speak to God, the only part of us that hears the voice of God, the only part of us that can discern the difference between 
God speaking to us and all the other voices, including their flesh, but all the other voices in our culture, all the other spiritual forces that are trying to distract us. They are trying to worry us. They're trying to tie us up with all kinds of pursuits that only waste our time. But when we come into God's word, what does he do? The Lord uses his word to expose my thoughts and feelings that are actually suffocating my spirit. And then he extracts those things so that I'm free to think his thoughts, to believe what he is calling me to, and to actually live differently. Now, if God's word is not a regular part of your life, I want to encourage you, don't just make a resolution. Most times those don't work. Just make a simple decision that I am going to begin the habit of just setting time aside. It could just be 15 minutes or a half hour or whatever, and say, I'm just going to come before the Lord Open the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, I'm here to meet with you. Come with your Bible, your pen, your notepad, and I'll talk about that in the second part here. So first of all, learn to read the Word of God just for the enjoyment of being in His presence and hearing from Him. And number two, ask the Lord for a word that will help you grow in 2024. God has a word for you for this year. God has a theme for you. There may be a larger overarching thing. He's saying, hey, this is something I really want to work at in your life or want to bless you, grow you, whatever. He has a word for you. He has words for you from day to day, week to week, those kind of things. Time and again, we read in the Old Testament, the prophets would say, the word of the Lord came to me saying. Now, if that's people in whom the Holy Spirit did not dwell but would come to, because in the Old Testament, you couldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit because of our sinful nature. We had to wait for Jesus to come, die on the cross, cleanse us, that we might become temples of God, temples of the Holy Spirit. So in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit actually lives in us, the spirit of prophecy. And if that is true, then you should expect the word of the Lord to come to you on a regular basis. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, you don't belong to yourself anymore. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside you. God paid for you with tears of blood, referring to Jesus the night before he went to the cross, right? When he, when he prayed so intently for us and, to, and for strength to stay on mission that he actually sweated drops of blood. He says, Jesus paid for you with tears of blood, so what? Use your life to bring glory to him. Read that first part of the verse, will you with me? You don't belong to yourself anymore, for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside you. I have a simple question for you. If you have goals for 2024, if you have plans for 2024, if there are financial commitments that you're going to make for 2024, whatever it may be, somebody going to propose to in 2024, some major life decision, my only question to you is this, who came up with the idea? Was it a good idea, or was it a God idea? Where did the idea come from? How do you decide what you will do this year with the life that God has given to you, with the breath that you breathe, with the health that you might have, whatever it is? Who makes that decision? You see, God has a word for you and me for 2024. Why? So like Paul said, you're actually hitting something in 24. You're not just hitting the air. You actually are hitting the mark. In fact, the word sin, you may be familiar with this, but the word sin actually comes from an old archery term, which means to miss the mark. That's what sin is, is you're not even aiming at the target. You're going over here somewhere. God is saying, here's the target. You're saying, nah, I want to do this. You see, we're not only just missing the target when we sin. 
We're shooting at all these other targets that we've made up. Oh, for this year, this is what I want to do. Ping, ping. This is where I'm going to spend my money. This is where I'm going to spend my time. This is what I'm going to join. This is what I'm going to do. I've filled up my week. I've filled up my year. But have we asked the Lord? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him first. And what will he do? He will direct your paths. But you see, what the enemy does, he comes to us because he knows. Jesus said, the enemy comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to make sure you never experience the fullness of what it means to know Jesus. So he's happy for you to live a religious life. He's happy for you to adopt a lifestyle that's basically good, doesn't do bad stuff, like we always say, you know, drink, smoke, swear, uh, chew tobacco, or date girls who do, you know, whatever your list may be. You know, we have this list of what we think is good. Satan's fine with saying, hey, go at it. Do all that stuff. But whatever you do, don't acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Whatever you do, don't actually walk with God this year. Whatever you do, don't actually ask him, Lord, in this life you've given me for 2024, however much time I may have, what do you want me to do? And he will fill our lives with good things that we can enjoy and pursuits and hobbies. That's not bad. But are we given equal time in pursuing with passion, Lord, in my spirit, what do you want me to give myself to? What do you want me to do so I'm not distracted from what the highest good that you have for me? God has a word for you. That word may be a person he wants you to invest your life in. It may be a gift, a spiritual gift he wants you to operate in, a truth he wants you to understand and walk in, a sin he wants to free you from, whatever it is. God is speaking to all of us all the time. But if I don't learn to differentiate his voice from my own voice, whenever he speaks to me, what am I going to do? I'm going to think, oh, that's just me. And I'll just pass on and do something else. But if I learn to recognize his voice speaking from within me, because that's where it is. Paul said the Holy Spirit is inside you. That's where that voice comes from. That's why sometimes I confuse it with my own thoughts if I'm not used to spending time with the Lord. But if I learn to discern his voice, I can follow him with a sense of confidence. And one of the best ways, and I'm going to close with this really quick, but one of the best ways I've learned to recognize God's voice is to write down what he says to me. And God speaks to all of us in two ways. He speaks first and foremost through his word, the written word of God. The Greek word is logos. That's how God speaks to me. But how many of us understand that as I walk through my day, God also speaks to me by his still small voice. Spontaneous thoughts. He just brings things to my attention. That's why I want to learn to better hear the voice of God. Because as I move through my day where God is working everywhere, he's looking for a people through whom he can show himself strong, show himself great. How does he do that? He just lights upon your heart. He says, hey, see that coworker over there? This is what I want you to do. See that person who has a need? This is what I want you to do. You're walking downtown, he highlights somebody else. Bring somebody to your mind to call. How many of us have ever had that prompting, right? Hey, I really should call so-and-so. But you don't, and then you find out when you talk to them next time, you were supposed to. You missed an opportunity, whatever it may be, right? So he speaks to us through his written word. He speaks to us by his spirit through those spontaneous thoughts. So the Lord wants to lead us every single day of our lives, and writing it down, or what I call journaling, is a great way to invite the Lord into those areas. You might say, what is journaling? How do you do it? Real quick. I have four journals. Now, you can have one, two, five, whatever you want. These are just categories that are important to me. I've kind of reduced everything down to this. Number one, I have my Bible reading journal. I didn't bring them all. I don't have room to put them there, but I have four. My Bible reading journey, uh, journal simply is this. When I have my quiet time with the Lord each day, I might be reading a chapter, five chapters, whatever time I'm spending with him, and I just look for something that will stand out. 
I read the scriptures slowly. I'm not a fast reader. Read it slowly. I want to take it in. But if the Lord highlights something to me, something pops out to me, what I'll do is I will take a moment and I'll just write it down. And by the way, it's not a lengthy thing. Like, this is just one day. Just a simple, you know, three quarters of a page. Doesn't have to be long. And what I'll do is just simply write out that scripture. It might be a couple of verses. And I use what is called the SOAP method. If you've been around here long, you'll understand what that is. It's right up there. What I'll do is in my journal, I'll just write down the scripture. And then under that, in maybe two lines, I'll write down an observation of that scripture. The third thing I'll write is an application. How am I going to apply what I just read or feel the Lord was highlighting to me? And then P, number four, when I close in prayer, I just highlight that item in prayer. Lord, as I read your word here, I pray you help me to apply that, I, whatever you may feel to pray. Does that make sense? So that's the Bible reading journal. Another journal I have I just call Family and Church. And all that is is that larger items that I need to give thought to, I need to make decisions on in my home, relationship, the church. We're, we're looking right now, talking to architects. We have more information for you later. Looking at building expansion. Lots of good stuff to share, but that's a big thing. And I don't, you know, I don't know exactly, I don't have the expertise and all that kind of stuff, so it's a huge thing. So there are some of these larger items that I need to get the Lord's direction in. And the Lord doesn't always answer us all in one day. Right? There's things he has to bring us through and show us. So what I do very simply is I'll just lay aside a couple pages in my, in my journal for family and church, and it just I'll put a heading. It might be building expansion, or, or it might be something in my personal life, and I just leave those couple pages vacant. And then as I go to prayer about those things at times in my prayer, and I don't necessarily pray about each thing every single day, but anything I feel the Lord just speaking to me about, I will just write that thought down. Or if I'm driving in the car and the thought comes to mind, and when I get back, I'll write that thought down under that heading. And so over time, I start to see a picture come together of the Lord's leading, and when I feel I have all the information that I need that I'm able to act on, then I act on it. That's one of the ways the Lord speaks to us. A third journal I use is simply I call Testimonies and Answered Prayer, and it is just what it is. I write in that stories of things I've seen the Lord do, things that are encouraging, the ways he's answered prayers for me or somebody else or areas in my life where the Lord has challenged me to step out and to grow, and so I've done that, and he's met me, and he's shown up. It might be praying for the sick. It might be evangelism. It could be anything, but I write those things down. Why? Because you may find this hard to believe. I know you probably can't relate, but there are times in my walk with the Lord where I get discouraged. There are times that I feel like I'm the last person who should ever be standing here preaching to you. There's times that I wonder, God, how could you use me? Or, you know, some memory comes back from 30 or 40 years ago, and I think, oh, what am I doing? I'm such a hypocrite. Whatever it may be. It's just called spiritual warfare, right? But I've walked with the Lord long enough that I know, like David says, I learned how to encourage myself in the Lord. And one of the ways I do this is I go back to my journal, and I begin to read again things that remind me of God's faithfulness, God's goodness, of how God used me. Then I'm able to say, devil, you're a liar. Get back on track, and here we go. So it's just a great way of encouragement. And finally, the journal is called Listening Prayer. Jesus said, you're my sheep. You know my voice. You follow me. And the reality is, if Jesus lives in me, then having conversations with Jesus should be as natural as talking to somebody in your family or your workplace. How do we do that? Very simply, you take your journal. And this is not something I do every day, a couple times a week. But it's just when I have some time, I'll just sit down, open a journal, and I'll just write a question. It might be just a simple line of thanksgiving or praise. It might be a scripture that comes to mind. It may be a question that I had to the Lord. Lord, how do you look at me? What do you see in me? It could be anything like that. And then I just wait. You see, the thing about listening prayer is that you pray or you make a statement, and then you listen for what? 
a response. Isn't that interesting? Now, for people like me, we call it a sanguine personality. We're the talkative type of people, right? We don't necessarily even need the information or the facts. We can just talk on it. You know, just give me a topic and I'll, I'll go all out, you see? But the problem is, is that when I have a conversation with other people, especially if they're more like a melancholy, kind of relaxed personality, is that a lot of times when they're talking, I'm just waiting so I can jump in again. Because while they're talking, I'm just thinking of all the stuff I'm going to say. You know, because what I have to say is going to be so much more interesting than what you're saying right now. I would never say that out loud. But that's kind of the way our personality thinks. But the downside of that is when it comes to quieting our heart, and I'm, that's not true, by the way, that, I'm, you know, that I have more to say. We can just kind of think that way, because we're always thinking, thinking. But the downside of that is when I come into a quiet place with the Lord, is I'm too quick to speak. I'm too slow to listen. And so listening prayer has enabled me to quiet my heart, write some things out. And I find sometimes that when I'm writing, oftentimes I feel like the Holy Spirit's taken over, and he'll start to write things. And then, wow, that's so true. That's, that's beautiful. But then the Lord will respond. How long do I wait? I wait until a scripture, a thought, an image, whatever it may be, comes to my mind, and I write it down. And I don't worry about whether or not I think, oh, that's just me. I've learned just to write it down and trust the Lord is speaking to me. So the Lord speaks to me through his word. He speaks to me through spontaneous thoughts, and this is key. Those spontaneous thoughts will never contradict the word of God. In fact, the more I'm in the word of God, the more clarity I have when those thoughts come. So they never have the authority God's word does, and yet God speaks to me in both those ways. But the beautiful thing is when I learn to write those things down, then I actually have a record of what God has shown me and what he wants me to do over the years. The worship team is going to come as we close this morning. This morning really was, I hope, just more an encouraging lesson, some practical tools of how you can actually grow in a measurable way. But I want to finish with the question I asked you at the beginning, and it's simply this. When was the last time that God did something in your life that caused you to live differently? When was the last time you heard him say something or lead you in a particular way. Paul said, I do not run without a goal. I don't run without a goal. Jesus has a strategy to get you to where it is he wants to bring you. He will show you the next step if you are intentional in your spiritual growth. But as you move into 2024, again, I ask you to give this serious thought. In whatever decisions you have made, whatever things you're starting to give yourself to or invest your money in or preoccupy your thought and time, the simple question is, who came up with that idea? Was it just you and your natural mind, your logic, or was it really the Lord? I was saying in the first service, I found it really interesting. I kind of got a kick out of it. But at the end of 2019, when I look online or churches in town and websites and banners and slogans and stuff like that, how many churches their theme was 2020 vision? That was their theme for 2020. 2020 vision. And then COVID hit. And no pun intended, but nobody saw that coming, <laughs> except the Lord. And I just kind of chuckle. I just kind of wonder with all those 20, and it's good to have themes, but with all those 2020 themes, was the Lord kind of in heaven kind of going, that's really cute. <laughs> that's interesting, 2020 vision. You have no idea what's coming down the pipe, right? And yet there were people in the kingdom who didn't see COVID coming, but they sensed something's going on. And they felt themselves preparing themselves in different ways in ministry and focus. And when COVID hit, they actually saw growth and vitality and so on through that challenging period of time, right? So we can have 20-20 vision with the natural eye. 
But if we're not hearing the voice of the Spirit, friends, we're blind. We're poor, naked, wretched, blind. The Lord says, listen, there's many areas that I want you to find fulfillment. There's many areas of life. I want to fill your life with good things, the Scripture says. But seek first the kingdom. At least give me equal time. Everything else you need will be added. But at the core of your being, the essence of who you are, you will know you're on track. And whatever comes your way, you'll be able to nav- you can navigate it because there will be a peace in your heart that is only found through your relationship with me. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.